Sam, thank you for joining me on GV Talks. Thanks, Harley. You uh, just mentioned you were at Bocher Street Primary. I was, yeah. You got uh, asked some interesting questions. I did. What was the best one? Uh, good question. Um, look, probably great, they were grade sixes and they were supposed to do their camber trip you know, earlier this year that's been, that's been postponed, so they wanted to just have someone come in and talk to them about leadership and politics. Um, probably the most interesting question, you know, what, what is someone your age, and I'm in my 40s, going to do for people of our age? So that was a really interesting one. You'd get stumped with some of these questions because you don't have all the answers, like, right on the top of your head, I imagine. But how do you answer that? You just say what's in your head and what's in your heart and what you feel at the time. And um, don't try and script it. I mean, with, you know, the world's full of scripted politicians. I don't want to be one of them. So, you know, just just talk talk to them a bit, a bit about the challenges of climate change, the, the fact that it's happening, but doing something about it's really difficult and, and try to be open with them about how it's a really difficult thing to do. But um, we just had a conversation about it, really. Yeah. Yeah, I guess they would really appreciate that and appreciate being heard. And it puts the idea in their head. With climate change, that's a bit tricky, though, isn't it? Um, I don't, I'm not an expert on a lot of the things we're going to talk about today, so just treat me like a sixth grader, please. <laughs> um, but a lot of the things that we're implementing now, we're not actually sure how they're going to work in the long term because a lot of the things we're implementing are brand new. Yeah, that's right. It's yeah. really challenging. I mean, we've got this <clears throat> situation where, where you know, I think we agree that the climate is changing and, and that human activity and emissions have something to do with that. Uh, but if we were to move too quickly or in the wrong way uh, or in a reckless way, we could shift a lot of our economy and manufacturing offshore to countries that don't have any emissions reduction schemes or, or less emissions reduction schemes. And we end up with Australia with a smashed economy, um, but no real global emissions. Mm. So I'm all about emissions reduction, but we've got to do it in that really clever way that protects us and technological transition. So. I just talked to them about some of the things. I, I try to introduce them to the concept of the fact that, yes, we need to do something, but we need to do it carefully. And it's not just... It's, it, what it's called is net zero. So, yes, there still might be some carbon emitted, but we're, gonna, we're, we're doing things at the moment to try and, for example, uh, encourage farmers to plant trees so that it brings some of that carbon out of the atmosphere and sequesters it. And we had a good conversation about that. And I did say to them, it's my responsibility to... To work for you guys because when you're my age you're going to have to deal with it yeah before we get too deep into it sure. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to tell the locals who they're listening to so i'm sam Birrell, um, and i'm the national party candidate for the federal election coming up in may for the seat of nichols yeah so can you explain it to a sixth grader what is the seat of nichols so Australia's, this is what I was explaining to the sixth graders, yeah. um, Australia's divided into 151 divisions of about 100,000 people, 100,000 voters, um, and they each send someone to Canberra to represent them in the federal parliament. That's the way, it's, that's the way our democracy is set up. Now, um, the particular 100,000 division that we live in uh, is called Nichols. It used to be called Murray but the boundaries changed a bit inside of the name, named after a wonderful Indigenous leader, Sir Douglas Nichols. Now, um, it goes from Gunbower, sort of Achuka, if you think across the Murray all the way across the, to the other side of Yarrawonga, and down to Broadford. So it's a big electorate, a diverse electorate. Um, Shepparton's obviously the big population centre that's right in the middle. Yeah. Uh, most of the candidates from Shepparton? Uh, at this stage... Two are from Shepparton, one's from Baruga, and one's from Seymour, uh, and I think the other one's from Invergordon, from what I'm, I can understand. Yeah. Are you a Shepparton local? Yeah. I grew up, well, I grew up between, on a, on a small property on the Golden River between Murchison and Talamba, and, uh, and had, a, had a lovely upbringing there. Um, I did move into Shepparton a bit. Mum, mum and my, my mum and dad separated when I was younger, and we moved into Shepparton with mum although we're still half, half out on the property with Dad as well. Uh, and so, but I've really, apart from going to boarding school for a couple of years and uh, moving away to travel a little bit, I've always, I've always found my way back to Shepparton and, and, yeah, I've lived here almost all my life. How was your upbringing with parents that had separated? What age did that happen at? Uh, it happened when, they were, when I was eight. Um, it was 
Look, it's hard. I didn't have much else to compare it to, yeah. uh, and they were very, they were both very amicable and very good about it. And we both we saw heaps of them. So, um, yeah, I can't describe my upbringing as anything other than than wonderful. I had two parents who loved me. Um, we had our sort of in Shepherd and life, which was great. And we also had the the out on the on the property on the river, wandering around the forest life and, and wandering around the river, which was great too. Yeah. It make a big difference um, to a kid if both the parents are reasonable mm. when when there's a separation because that that's how I describe my upbringing as well. My parents were split up a little bit younger than you, and they always spoke very nicely to each other, and I never seen a fight. And kind of it was it was like no different. I didn't even think anything was out of out of place, mm. really. Yeah, but unfortunately, and this didn't happen to me because my parents were were so so loving and caring for us, but. Um, it's really sad when you see sometimes children get dragged into into that that hurt and dispute and um, and anger that sometimes happens between a, a split up couple. And luckily, I, I didn't have that. Yeah, is there much of that around Shepparton? I don't know. Um, in, in my friendship group, um, I must say, with my friendship group um, compared to perhaps my parents' generation, we tended to get married later. So I went to a lot of weddings and we and I got married when I was 32. And sometimes the generation previous, they sort of got married when they were 20 with the first person they ever had any type of relationship with. Yeah. Um, so I think maybe um, that experiencing life a bit and experiencing a few different people and working out what works for you and what doesn't and then settling into a relationship a bit later, maybe that means that People, people stick at it a bit more. I don't know. That's probably just my observation from, from uh, people I know. Yeah, that, that makes sense to me. Um, how did you find Shepparton when you moved here? Was it is it much different of a place to how it is now? Um, oh, you mean from when I was yeah. a kid? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was really different. It's been through, it's been through different phases, I reckon. Sort of a... I mean, it was a big, big city for me coming from the property. Yeah. Just to be in a place like Shepparton, it was really amazing you know SPC we used to live near there and I couldn't believe how big and noisy and exciting that place was with all the trucks going in um, but it was sort of still a small country town in the in the, in the late 80s uh, and then I think I think it went through a bit of a decline um, in the 2000s yeah and I think it's really way on its way back up over the last seven to eight years I would say I'm not from Shepparton um, and I moved here on logistics when I looked at the population growth from I think it was 2000 and oh, I can't recall it was, it was I think a 10 year period it said that it went from 30,000 people to 60,000 people is that a mistake that's on, that's what's on Wikipedia has it so doubled in 10 was, years in 10 years I don't know if it's I don't know if it's doubled I know the LGA is um, no I don't think that's right but, I, but it has it has seen significant population growth yeah. in the LGA and even it's been turbocharged by what we've experienced in the last two years yeah. um, to the point where we really need to, to get our skates on to allow more people to move here with development and that sort of thing but um, I was listening to one of your podcasts Harley uh, recently with Megan McKenna and she was saying you know her experience was that um, in that era, when I said Shepparton sort of went through a decline, a lot of her friends moved away, uh, and now a lot of them are moving back. And I'm experiencing the same thing. I think there's economic there's economic opportunities in Shepparton that there wasn't, there hasn't been for many years. And a lot of young fam- families who've grew- who've grown up here and moved away are moving back to take advantage of those economic opportunities. Can you give me some, for example? Um, well, without mentioning specific names, yeah. but I can tell you, I can tell you, young family. There's young people that I grew up with who um, who moved away to Melbourne, went to uni, stayed in Melbourne, worked as worked as a job, and some of them have come back to buy businesses here, um, you know, and, uh, and and successful businesses. Others have found that uh, they can do their job from Shepparton in the big house top, type of house that they grew up in with yeah. the big backyard and the pool they can do their job via zoom just as well as they did it they could do it from the, the small two-bedroom apartment in ringwood yeah so why would you be in the two-bedroom apartment in ringwood when you've got your memories of the way you grew up and you've got young kids so i've got there's a number of families i know who've, who've done that yeah 
yeah, I, I think as you get older, you realize what's more important as well. Like um, being in the hustle and bustle seems good when you're young, but when the um, when the batteries start to wear, you want to go home and feel safe and feel that home feeling. Mm. Yeah. No, I, I love Shepparton. I think it's, it, it definitely feels like a home for me, even though I'm not from here. But I think it's because I had the opportunity to start my own business here. Yeah. I really appreciate Shepparton for that fact. Mm. Um, what was... What was your school life like? Did you play any sports or you didn't move away or you did? No, I had an interesting school life. I was just reflecting on this the other day that I went to I went to Talamba Primary School, which was this tiny little school from prep to grade three. And then when when we moved into Shep with Mum, I went to St Brendan's Primary School. So halfway through that I had to I had I knew no one at this new school at St Brendan's, so I had to meet a whole new cohort of kids and try and be accepted. Um, and yes, I did play sport. I loved playing football and, uh, and tennis. Uh, and then when I came to finish my schooling at St. Brendan's, which is a Catholic primary school, every other kid in grade six was going to Notre Dame. My mum was teaching at, uh, at Shepparton High School and she wanted me to go to a state school. Yeah. Um, for, it was decided that I was going to go to boarding school later on. She wanted me to have a few years at a state school. So I went to state, went to Shepparton High School and I had to meet, I knew no one there, had to meet a whole new cohort of kids. Um, and then after two years, I went to Assumption College in Kilmore, which was where my dad had been and he was very interested in me going to boarding school. Um, and then I had to meet in year nine, <laughs> knew no one, yeah. a whole new cohort of kids. So that was sort of my school life, yeah. But boarding school was great and... Um, I mean, it was, I was homesick as anything for the first year, but just the structure, there was always stuff to do and young men and structure is, is a good thing. And so, I, you know, whether it be, I was really interested in music, playing music, um, playing football, playing tennis, studying, it, it was all structured for me there. So I, I enjoyed that bit of it. Why did your mum specifically want you to go to a state school? Just because you worked there? Um, that's a good question. I think... Yeah, I think she just wanted me to make sure that I had a really diverse group of people around me when I was growing up, and um, and uh, she probably just yeah didn't want me to go straight from from a Catholic primary school to a Catholic high school to a Catholic boarding school. Yeah, I think she wanted me to do something a bit different. She really liked Shep High. Um, and she wanted me to spend a, a couple of years there and meet some different people. She sounds really wise. Yeah, yeah. she is. She is. Because um, she obviously wanted you to be well socialised. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. What, would you, what advice would you give to somebody who was in that similar situation where you perhaps have to leave home and go to Melbourne and make new friends or you have to switch schools? Like, did you find that hard? Yeah, I did find it hard. But I think, I think it's probably a good thing because you develop social skills and, and you do develop uh, empathy for other people because you're not you're not one of the gang at the start yeah you're the new kid so you come in and and, and you're the new kid uh, so later on when you see the other new kids come in you have empathy for those people and think that no oh, that that kid probably doesn't know anyone instead of hanging out with the gang that I'm already in let's let's look after that person uh, because you know how it feels. Yeah. Yeah, that's good advice. Um, so what what did you do between where you are now and and school? Right. Um, I, was, I was not bad at school academically. I was pretty... I was... I was, um, I was okay. I got, I got by pretty well in year 12. Um, you know, the pressure, the pressure is when you come... So my dad's a lawyer. My mum was a teacher. The pressure is that you go to university because that's what everyone does. So I went to university to study an arts degree. I didn't know what I was going to do. Yeah, I had no, I didn't. I had an inkling I might be a journalist one day. Um, it, I was too young for university. I was seventeen when I started there. There were concepts that I didn't really get. I wasn't prepared to put the work in. I didn't really have the drive. So I left after a year and a bit, and I came back after trying a few different jobs. I came back here. Uh, I needed a job, so I got a job on a farm, um, picking fruit, and out at Ardmona. And I quite enjoyed. I mean, picking fruit's a hard job, but I quite enjoyed 
the actual, just the, the vibe and being out on the farm. So as I was a local kid who was staying, um, I sort of got promoted to be the manager of all the fruit pickers. Yeah. And then I, they had cattle and, and cropping in the winter. So when the fruit finished and the backpackers all moved on from the, from the harvest season, I stayed on and I did the work with the cattle and with the cropping, sowing the crops and, and harvesting. Uh, and then by that, you know, by the time it came to spring again, it was time to spray the fruit trees. And I did that for two years and I just loved it. I thought agricultural science, this is so interesting. I really like this. I don't really want to just work on a farm. Um, even though I love it, I do have aspirations to get more into it. So I went to University of Melbourne Dukey College and studied a, uh, a degree in agricultural science. So that was really good. It's a bit different to the path that you would have, or at least your parents would have thought you would have That's taken. Right. Yep. yep. Um, totally different. How did they How did they take you saying, I'm going to go work on the fruit farm? No, they, they were sort of like, you know, it's up to you what you want to do, Great. Sam. Yeah. Um, and, um, and we're not going to subsidise you just to sit around. So you got to you got to get a job and you got to earn your money, and so the jobs that were around in the in, at that time in this place were on were in the fruit industry in on fruit farms, so that's what I did. <laughs> yeah, and, and and you didn't just sit there and do the job. Obviously, you've worked extra hard to get to, to work your way up the ladder there and yep. get a permanent position. Yeah, yeah. Well, I and and I was enjoying it. I was happy when you work extra hard when you're happy. And yeah. when you're not happy, you, you don't, you know, we all know that about ourselves. So I, I enjoy, I like the culture and, and I like the agriculture itself. So I really enjoyed that bit of it. Did you like meeting all the backpackers and stuff? Oh, that was brilliant. That was brilliant. It made it, it, made it like, yeah, you were working on a farm, but just these people coming with stories of Germany and France and Canada and, and, um, and the excitement and the partying they brought to the, to the orchard. When they when they turned up, it made it really fun. Yeah. Did you get out? Like, did you get away from Shepparton and travel at all? Or? Yeah. After that, I went. So after I finished my degree in agricultural science, I went to Western Australia and travelled a bit. Yeah. Um, just before I started my degree in agricultural science, I went to India and travelled around India, um, which was really interesting. And then, yeah. So and and then I sort of came back to Shepparton and and uh, got a job in an in an agricultural supplies business that had a um, that uh, had a had a role as an agronomist, and an agronomist is a profession where you sort of go and advise people who are growing crops on how to grow those crops, whether it be what sprays you need to apply, what pests might be affecting your crops, what soil, what you know, take soil tests and analyze the soil and what you might need to do. That sort of that sort of job. The farmers in the local area. Have they had a good last decade or has it been tough on them? Uh, let me go back a bit further than that, Harley. I'll say that um, they had a nightmare from 2002 to 2008. It was just horrible because there wasn't enough water in our catchments. And yeah. They had reduced... It was reduced the amount of irrigation water they could use. It was really difficult. Um, then, then it's been up and down since then. Um, the last two years have been phenomenal. It's been as good as conditions as I can remember for farming. Um, there's still some challenges with fruit and fruit prices, so yeah. we need to we need to do more work on getting making sure Australian fruit can be sent overseas. But the actual conditions in terms of the rainfall and the costs of, of irrigation water has been actually quite good. Is that something that the government tried to implement strategies to make it easier for the farmers? And did those things succeed or fail? Uh, they failed in some ways and succeeded in others. Um, the most interesting thing is, sorry, the, the most challenging thing for this region is that government many, you know, quite a few years ago now implemented what was called the Murray-Darling Basin Plan. And that plan was to basically get a lot of the water that's used for irrigation and pull it back and use it for the environment. Now, I don't disagree that some of that water should have been taken for the environment, but not taken. But 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 farmers, if if some of it needs to be taken, farmers should be paid huge amounts of money for that water, so that they can put in up, upgraded irrigation mm. infrastructure, so that they can make their farms more efficient. So that happened, and that was okay. 
but we're to the point where any more water taken away from our farmers now would be would be terrible for the region. And I'm, when I get when I get into government, I'm just going to say no more no more water can can leave our region. The, the environment has enough. The irrigators need all the water that there is in the in the system now to be able to grow the crops that that keep our economy going. So how does that work specifically? Like in terms of you going in there and saying we're not taking any more water from the farmers? Like, well, that's challenging, isn't it? Yeah, there's, like uh, there's seventy six. You know, there's yeah. one hundred fifty one seats in the in the parliament, and you know you've got to be able to count to seventy six to be able to get a, a law passed. Um, I'm just going to have to work and, and try and convince people as to why it's a bad idea. Um, use the numbers. So I'm running as the Nash, as a national. The National Party has a number of. Um, seats mm. in the parliament so we can use those numbers hopefully we can convince the liberals to come on board hopefully we can convince some of the the minor parties that that this would be really damaging uh, for our region so it's the art of numbers but it's also the art of persuasion so in, the, in this case what's the other side of the coin why would people vote no they would vote no because they think well it, again it comes down to numbers people in south australia want the water to go past us and go down to them into their lower lakes, um, and uh, and then and, what would they do with the water when it's in the lakes? Well, they'll just keep they'll keep those lakes fresh. Um, we, now, are those lakes fresh naturally? Well, there's a lot of evidence to say that those lakes in in history have been saline. Yeah. Um, I don't think we should be taking out irrigation water down to keep those lakes artificially fresh, um, and, uh, and and that water. We need that water to grow the crops that keep Australia's economy going and, and keep our food security. So do you feel like this is something that you can do or do you feel like it's 50-50? Oh, it's a real challenge. Maybe 50-50, but I'm gonna but look, I'm going in there to do everything I can to make it make it happen and make it work. Because yeah, you know, like you've said, like I presume it's your um, your twenties and thirties, you're in agriculture. Mm. Like the most does most of your focus lean in that way? Uh, no, not necessarily, because so after the part of the story that I that I didn't give you was um, that after I'd been an agronomist and I worked for a local company, and then I worked for a, a multinational company. I worked for a company called from Israel called Netafin, and Netafin developed drip irrigation solutions. And I worked as an agronomist or a scientific advisor to them, and I would go all around Australia and the world looking at irrigation projects, even though I was still in, based in Shepparton. So I was travelling a lot. And that was an exciting job. Um, but um, in 2016, I had a change, a change of career and I became the CEO of the Committee for Greater Shepparton. Now, the Committee for Greater Shepparton is this organisation that got set up in about 2014. A lot of the big businesses came together and say, said, Shepparton's in a bit of decline. We need to do something about it. We need to put an organisation together that works that tries to pull the leaders together, mm. whether it's local, the council or the state government, the federal government, work work collaboratively, so work with people, and go to Canberra, go to Spring Street uh, in Melbourne and advocate for what we need for this region. Now, I was the CEO of that organisation for six years, so I was working on improving rail, improving roads, hospitals, just trying to work collaboratively with all the organisations and with the local representatives to try and make those things happen. Yeah. I think we had some success, I really do. What was your biggest win? Um, well, this is interesting because everyone claims a win for themselves. In reality, it's when they when everyone works together. Um, I think the biggest win is that, okay, so if we look out the window here, we can see the Shepparton Rail Station. Now, Shepparton's rail corridor, Shepparton's rail was, was pathetic frankly, and it was way below what was acceptable or what was a service we should have had per capita when compared to Bendigo, um, Ballarat and mm. Geelong. Mm. We, along with the state and federal government representatives and the, and the council, lobbied really hard, commissioned reports to be done about what it would take to improve it. Um, and finally, um, we got over $700 million has been allocated to spend on that rail corridor between here and Melbourne. Now, people people can't see it at the moment, but they are going to see um, level level crossing changeover so that we can run the fast trains along there, which is the velocity trains, the same trains that Bendigo gets. 
Um, we're going to have passing loops. So instead of getting four trains a day, we're going to have nine. Um, I think that's I think that's a huge thing for this region, and and um, you know that's going to make a big difference to all the people. When we were talking earlier about families moving back here, their mm. one bugbear is that they want to be able to get down to Melbourne uh, with in, in good time, and they want to be able to have frequent trains so they can go down on the hour and just jump on one. That's going to be a reality. I think there's more we can do to make those trains faster and better, but. Yeah, to, 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 think, to think 10 years ago we were going to get $700 million spent on our rail corridor, I think it was beyond what we thought was possible. That's unreal. Mm. Yep. So, a lot of people deserve credit for that too, not just the Committee for Greater Shefford. Yeah. So, so how has that like fed like those funds and this work? How is it implemented? Like it's obviously in phases or... Yeah, it's a state government project, but the federal government allocates the money for it. So, so you got allocated how many years mm. ago? Um, I think the first allocation was 2017, yeah. which was a small one, then 2018. Yeah. And then the Deputy Prime Minister, who's uh, the leader of the Nationals at the time, Michael McCormack, in 2020, he announced the big chunk of um, $400 million of funding that was going to go to um, the Stage 3. And Stage 3 is what gets us from four and a half services to nine return services. Mm. And I reckon... Um, that's just going to be brilliant for our region. I think people can get around that. I um I travel to Melbourne on the train. It just takes about half an hour too long. <laughs> it takes half an hour too long. It's not a very comfortable. Like it's an old diesel locomotive pulling carriages. Yeah. Yeah. The first one leaves at six and then seven and maybe nine and then you have to wait till the afternoon. Yes. This will have velocity trains. So the fast the fast ones that people drive to Seymour and they jump on one of those fast yeah. ones. Yeah. Um, will have those going all the way to Shep. And with nine services a day, I reckon you'll be able to go down there, you know, any any time in the morning, and hopefully you only have to wait an hour at peak hours and just grip and just jump on one. That's and I want to see. Oh, I want to. That's great, and I want to work to have it improved even more. I'm pretty sure um, this is my personal interest because obviously, like you said, you look out there and you can see yep. <laughs> the train stations yep. right there. I think they've been an overpass. <laughs> Did you know anything about that, or was, it, is that right or wrong? Well, it hasn't been. No one's found the money for it. Okay, yet. There's, there's a plan. Yeah, I'd like to see it. I would like to see that because people can just come straight over, come to the gym. That's exactly what. That's it, you know. This is the centre of Shep yeah. on this side of the train station. Yeah, that's right. And those and the rail too. We've got Latrobe. There are people now coming from places like Seymour, who who can't battle the northern Melbourne traffic, who are actually coming to Shepparton to do degrees at La Trobe University. Um, if we got the train service right, when we get the train service right in an overpass, people could be coming from Nagambi, jumping on the train to come to this gym, to, to shop in Shepparton. Yeah. That the vision and the possibilities are endless if we can get the funding and infrastructure right. I think we could this we could transform this whole CBD of Shepparton. Yeah. But that's all got the thumbs up already. Yeah, yeah, it's got the fun. We're just going to find the money and, and, and work hard to make it happen. Yeah, no, great. So you're um, the CEO of the Committee of Greater Shepherd. Committee Shepherd. of Greater Shepherd, yep. yeah. And, and then what happens after so, that? So I was coming to, so look, six wonderful years in that job. Did, did some, you know, did some really good work. Learned a lot. Spent time, as I said, in Melbourne and spent time in Canberra. My observation when I was in Canberra is that Damien Drum, who was the National Party guy who got elected in 2016. Um, I got to know him. I sort of just met him when I started the job as a CEO. He just got elected. So we're sort of starting together a little bit. I got to know him and I thought, this is, this is one of the more authentic politicians and more authentic people I've ever worked with. Um, and he seemed to have a way of, because the Nationals had some numbers in the Parliament, and they just focused on regional, regional Australia. And because Damien was a really good, good, good at relationships and good at talking to people, and because he used the community as his sounding board, he was able to get a lot done for this region. Yeah. Now, when he, so when he said, I'm retiring from politics at the next election, I thought, I want this to continue, this delivery. And so I'm gonna put my hand up the best way I think I can deliver for this region is by becoming is by running as a national party candidate, and I think 
you know, what I want to do is use the community as my standing board. You know, I've been working in the community most of the time I've been in Shepparton um, and work collaboratively with people in Canberra to make good things happen for this region. So that's where I'm up to and I'm, I'm, I'm now in the middle of uh, the election campaign. Why do you think that that sort of work's important to you? Like, yeah. well, what gets you out of the bed in the morning? Uh, not, not, every, not everyone aspires to help the community. No. Like, that's a very well, when, admirable thing that a lot, not a lot of people want to do. So, so Sunday afternoons, well, every afternoon from now on, you know, people, people door knock. I, I do a little bit of that to say, hi, I'm Sam Burrell, I'm your candidate. Yeah. Because I love running. Like, running is my passion. I put the running t-shirt, the Sam Burrell for Nichols running t-shirt on and I just run around the neighbourhood. And if I see people in their garden or see people, I just go up and introduce myself. Most people are happy to have a chat. Mm. And the first thing they say is, oh, I'm glad it's you and not me, or I don't envy you. So, you know, some people hate politicians, and sometimes with good reason. Some people look at politics. Most people in the community say, well done for putting your hand up. Um, there's, a, there's probably three elements to it. One is a sense of service. Um, one is a sense of responsibility. So, you know, I've had some good fortune. I've had a good education. Um, I grew up, you know, I'm, I think I've got an inquiring mind um, and I seem to be able to understand some of these issues. So do you go off to the private sector and use it to make a fortune for yourself? Well, some people do that and good on them, mm. good on them. I see, I see it's good to use, that, use those skills that I think I have um, to make Australia a better, a, a well-governed place. Um, and the other thing, just from a personal perspective, is I'm, I, I would just find the work so interesting. You know, just the challenge, the, the challenge of working your way through these complex issues and trying to find an answer, or working your way through complex negotiations, relationships to try and get some stuff back here to Nichols. Those are the three things that sort of get me going around this campaign. Yeah. So do you think um, politics is like a cutthroat sort of job like like in terms of like getting these people on your side do you have to like i don't know is there any like backroom deals or yeah, it's, it's, does that happen or i'm sure it does a bit i mean it's messy it's yeah. messy and anyone who thinks it's not i think that i'd like to see more people go into it for the right reasons and 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 um uh sometimes people and i probably look more at the cities and the regions i think the regions have got good community people who get into it but when you look at the city, sometimes you've got a staffer who's sort of, you know, worked there forever and basically they try and, you know, white-hand everyone else so it's their turn to get pre-selected so they get the place in Parliament. I think there's a bit too much of that. Mm. So I think real people, real community people with real-life experience in Parliament will make Parliament a better place. Um, you have to make compromises. So to go there and say, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to compromise any of my principles you know there's a hundred thousand people in Nichols that I'd be representing and they're all you know they've all got such different views and different yeah. opinions of the way things should operate you've got to try and distill that represent them but show leadership based on your own values so but but then you've got to be prepared to do some compromises sometimes to um to get the best outcome for them because in the end it's not about me it's about them so that cutthroat business, yeah, look, I'm, I'm, I'm prepared to play it hard for the people that I represent, um, but I want to be straight, I want to be forceful, but I, but I want to be respectful and try and make, make the parliament a bit more of a respectful place. Yeah. Yeah, it all starts with one person. Yeah, that's right. Do you reckon that um, young people should show more interest in politics? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And, have, and think about it. Yeah. So there was, a, there was this guy, this old Labor Party politician. I was just reading about him the other day. He was a minister in the 70s. And in the 60s, he was going for some seat in, in, in Melbourne. And his campaign slogan was, I don't care who you vote for as long as you think about it. That's good. <laughs> That's good, isn't it? So I want people to think about, you know, I want people to think about who they're voting for and why they're voting. And I think if they do, they will have a think and say, what did Damien and the Nationals achieve for the region? What is Sam Birrell all about? 
And the other thing I'd say is that we've got this party, we've got this national party. Now it frustrates people, it gets a stereo, it gets a stereotype of just being for old farmers in hats, um, you know, and old old people. But it's a political party just that's got some clout in Parliament and it's just for regional Australia. Now I reckon we what let's embrace that. Let's use it. Let's use it as a platform to get all the things we need and prosperity for the regions. If you if you if there are elements that you don't like about it, join it. Yeah. Join it. Try and make it better. That's what I've done. Yeah. I don't know if you can answer this question, but what what would you say the key difference is between you and the other people running up? Uh, I've got pretty good life experience. I mean, I've you know when I worked at the rural supply, I've worked on a farm at the lowest level. Um, I've been through a lot of different things, you know. Um, I've, you know, when I left uni and got my first job, I was sweeping the shed out at a rural supply store in in Maroubra, um, and and work working my way up. So I've got that. Uh, I think I've got a really good way of um, of being straight with people and uh, and telling it like it is, uh, and working with people. You know, I've I think I prove. I've got a track record in that when I ran the committee for Greater Shepherd, and I thought that we, I thought that we achieved a lot, mm. and I thought we, I thought we achieved a lot. Um, sometimes not everyone agreed with what we did, but we stuck to our, our, our principles and our values, and we tried to do the best for the community. Exactly. You shouldn't uh, be reprimanded for trying to do better. Yeah, that's even right. if you muck it up sometimes. Well, or even if someone thinks that that trying to do better might involve a different position, you know. Mm. So. Um, um, so I think I've just got the, the, the life experience, the record. Um, you know, I've, I've got some good qualifications, I think, and it's not a, all about qualifications, but I went back to uni in my later life and did an MBA, which taught me a lot about leadership, negotiation, um, and, and, the, and the principles of those things. Uh, I've, I've worked around, I've, I've been all over these issues because I had to get my head around them, whether it be hospitals, um, roads, rail, Education, all the agricultural water, all of these different things. So I think I've got a wide breadth of experience, and I care about people. Now I'm not saying the other candidates don't care about people. Don't get me wrong, but I really do have empathy, and I really want to represent the, these people to, to make life their their lives better, to help make their lives better. And I, I hope everyone knows that about me. Yeah. How much does it cost to run a campaign like this? Because I, I see billboards of everyone everywhere. I'm just sitting there like, whoa, I don't know how much a sign's worth. Yeah. <laughs> and they're everywhere. Oh, I can't tell you. I can't tell you exactly, but it costs a lot. Is it? Because it's is, hundreds of thousands. Yeah. Is it out of your pocket or Nationals back you for that? No, the national, the Nationals um, the nationals uh, back you for, yeah. the, for the, you know, but a lot of local people make contributions to that too. Great. Um, I'm getting a lot of local people um, wanting to help me out because they think that, because they believe in me and because they believe in the National Party's ability to deliver. And, you know, Damien Drum's track record since he was elected in 2016 is a pretty clear example of that. Mm. Um, but, you know, the, 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 that's what the National Party do. But I don't get paid while I'm doing it. So really, it's a big sacrifice for me and my family because I get a full-time gig. I quit my job at the Committee for Greater Shepherd and I resigned um, at the end of last year. And I've been focusing on this campaign ever since. Mm. So as I said to my kids, um, it's just like a very, very long job interview with 100,000 people on the panel. <laughs> How and when do people vote? Uh, so I think next week sometime that the Prime Minister might call the election. And that means he'll drive up to the, to the Governor-General and advise the Governor-General that uh, he's ready to have an election. And, and that... And that there are limit term limits, so that has to be before the twenty first of May. So it might be any of those weekends in May before, either on or before the twenty first, uh, and so we'll know soon enough the exact date. Then people have a few different options. I mean, voting's compulsory in Australia, which I think is a good thing. Um, it's it's um, it's not compulsory in the United States. It's another quirk of their system. Uh, and we have probably three ways of voting. One is that you can postal vote. Mm. So you'll be sent the opportunity to postal vote. Then there's a thing called pre-poll where they'll open some centres in Shepherd and I think Echuca and maybe some other um, larger centres and you'll be able to just go in, 
have your name ticked off the electoral roll, go in and vote in the two weeks leading up to that polling day, or you can go and vote on polling day, uh, which I've always done on Which most people day. do, yeah. Yeah, I mean, last, last election I was at St Brendan's cooking the barbecue. So I, I just love that polling day. People are handing out how to vote cards. People who don't, who might not agree from different sides of politics are so friendly to each other when they're handing out how to vote cards. The local schools cooking barbecue and making some money for their, you know, parents and friends sort of committee. Yeah. Um, you'll see people from country, people who've moved to Australia from countries that don't have a democratic tradition and people who've become citizens voting for the first time and having their friends take photos of them voting. We've got to, we've got to understand how lucky we are to have this thing called democracy. We really do. Yeah, that, that, you made it sound like something that you want to go to just then. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's that's how it should be presented to people more instead of like, I guess, just bring it back to what you said before, why do you think people should be forced to vote? Because I, I can kind of understand both sides of the coin, but yeah. obviously you, like a mock vote wouldn't be, wouldn't be beneficial to anyone. That could get the wrong person in, couldn't it? Well, what tends to happen in places where voting is not compulsory yes is that only the real the really fired up people on either side vote yeah and then you t- I think then you tend to get some real people either very far right or very far left in different seats and I think that makes things difficult to organise and, and the people in the middle who don't vote they're just sort of not interested in the process I think you're respons- that, that the government the government does a lot of things for people in Australia. Mm. A lot of things. We've got a great safety net, you know, welfare. We're relatively well governed, you know, build roads and everything. Um, Australian society says to says, in return for that, we ask you once every couple, once every four years. I mean, I don't say election suit, but once every four years, you have to go and cast a ballot. And I don't think that's too much to ask. And I think that if everyone's forced to think about it, I get. I think we get a more moderate, sensible government and not the crazies on either side. Yeah, well put. A couple more quick questions. Sure. The defaced posters, what's up with that? Yeah, I don't know. That's so strange. There's not too much of it, fortunately, but someone cut, a, cut my, the face out of, my, um, out of my poster. Why would somebody do that? One of the... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay. One of the guys, one of the guys at the Shep News speculated that it, that that Damien Drum came out in support of some vaccine mandates at SPC last year. Okay. And some of the people who were big anti-vaxxers, they might have had a problem with the nationals. I don't know whether that's the case. It's just some, something someone speculated. Um, I it's look. I I take it with a grain of salt, and I sort of laugh it off. It, yeah. But 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 I do feel sorry for someone who thinks that. That's that's the, a good way to spend your time. I mean, participate in the in the process yes. by getting out there and saying what you think. Have the courage to say, "This is my name. I'm Sam Birrell, and I'm going to say that I think the government's right or wrong." You know, I think I think going and um, mucking around with a poster at sort of three a.m. in the morning is a pretty cowardly way to approach things. Do you think majority of people are like you in the way that they think? Listen, listen, this isn't the way. I want things to be, so I'm going to try and make it better. Or do you reckon the majority of people are like, "This, I don't like this, so I'm going to try and tear it down." Well, Which way do you reckon it leans? I, I think most people. Let me let me describe it like this. Most people that I meet, and I'll and I'll give you an example of a couple of, of some tradies I was talking to the other day. Yes. On, on a job site, they said to me, "I want the government." to make sure there's a strong economy and that there's a lot of activity happening around where I live so that I've got work, you know, I can, so that, you know, I'm an apprentice, I finish my apprenticeship and there's there's other building jobs that my employer is gonna move on to so they keep employing me and then we've got growth and exciting things happening. After that, I wanna be able to do the things I love doing, whether it's fish, you know, walk in, you know, drive, go, take my four-wheel drive with the forest, um, go walking, um, do the things I love doing, and I really don't want the government to make a whole heap of rules to impinge on my life. 
Yeah. I reckon that sums up where a lot of people are up to. They want a they want a good economy, they want they want the government to make to make things to make things really um, prosperous for them. And then they want to be able to enjoy their lives without the government telling them what they should be doing every step of the way. Yeah. And I think that's the government. If if I if I can be part of a government, that's the way I want to approach it. Yeah. It sounds like the structure to a good life. Like exactly. having work that you enjoy and yeah. you're making an impact on the community and then you've got your things that you enjoy doing outside of that as yeah. well. We invest in you, in your education, so that you get the opportunity to get involved in local industry, work hard, work your way up, you know, start at the bottom, work your way up like I did. Um, get yourself there and the government does everything we can to support that. We're not going to put a heap of rules on you saying you can't do this and that. And then you, the person, you've got the responsibility to, to make the best of this, this life that Australia's created because a lot of people overseas don't have it. Yeah. Yeah. Australia's the best place to live in the world, I reckon. I agree. <laughs> uh, okay, a couple of quick ones. What's your end goal? End goal? Yeah. Long term. Uh, let's, let's say you get the, you get, you get the seat. <laughs> no, let's say you get the seat. What's, yeah. what's after that? Uh, Look, just to, just to really deliver, to get to get as many things happen, and that you know there'll be elements that work for me and elements that are out of my control, but um, just to, just to to get some serious, continue some serious investment in this region, to be hopefully to be part of a good government. If I got an opportunity to do something higher in the future, like be a minister, um, I would I would like to do that. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sacrifice my principles or the people in my electorate for that personal goal I do it if it helps them yeah um, and just try and I don't know, just try and make Australian make Australian government and Australia a better place great what would be something people would be surprised to know about you so I had I had my campaign launch last week and you know the national party's normally just an old you know, not going to say normally. I mean, they're great people, but <laughs> traditional old sort of farmers, and you know, sometimes a bit conservative. So when we had my campaign launch, we had a band playing, and I pulled the guitar on, and I sang. I did two solo, two solo songs. I did "Don't Look Back in Anger" by Oasis, yeah. and "Who's Going to Ride Your Wild Horses" by U2. <laughs> so I played guitar and sang, and everyone's gone, "Oh wow, that was pretty good." You got an encore. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. pretty good. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you so you can, if people want to go to Facebook, my Facebook, Sam Biddle for Nichols, they can see a bit of video of me playing that Oasis song. Yeah. How else could people support you if they wanted to? Like you said, people from the community have been backing you and yeah. I guess contributing some money or yeah, some uh, time or... Yeah, it's, it's, it's probably just, it's just time and, and, and I'd love people to come and help and volunteer. Yeah. You know, wear a t- just walk around with me and wear a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a runner, ring up and, and I'll send you a running t-shirt and, and do park running my, my t-shirt, which is what I do. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe offer to help on, on election day, hand out some how to vote cards, but it maybe just engage with me about what you'd, what you'd like to see. Um, you know, I reckon if we, I reckon if we really, if we reinvigorate the national party and let's face it, you know, the people in it are old, they're wonderful people, but they're, but they're getting on a bit. Um, if we could reinvigorate the National Party and turn this into a regional Australia party that works for us yeah. by joining it and getting involved, we can make it. We can make great things happen in our region, and I, I don't. I don't think it's too late for that. I think we should be doing it. Um, it's the it's the path I've chosen. It can be. It can be. Um, it can be exciting, and it can be. And it can be relevant. And I think it. I think we can make that happen. So yeah, that's the way people can just be, be become involved. Well, I guess how how does that happen? How do we get new people in? Like, where do they where do they go? Like, they're not going to run for. No, the best thing people could do is con is just contact me. And and if you go to my my Facebook site, Sam Biddle for Nichols, and yeah. contact me via messengers and say, you know, Sam, I'm interested in what you're doing and why you're doing it. I've I've got some suggestions, or I'd like to help. Then we'll get in contact with you, and you can and you can come on board. Or if you just see me walking around the street come up and say hi you know um, get involved with your candidates with all of them uh, ask them what they think do, do you think um, I have no idea about this but for our region do we have lots of candidates or not many um, traditionally there's been eight to nine 
Yeah. Sometimes in some electorates you get whole heaps of candidates and some of them people you've never heard of before and parties you've never heard of before that get registered, you know, the sort of the I don't know, sort of some of them are some of them are pretty crazy right wing, in my view, racist parties. Yeah. That sort of get up and that that get up and get going. Um, so sometimes there are those. I don't know whether there will be this time around. At the moment there's um, there's me and the Liberal candidate and uh, an independent one nation and, and um, UAP, I think. Yeah. Uh, so I th- I'm sure the Labor Party will put a candidate up, but I'm not sure who that is yet. So yeah, maybe a few less this time. Yeah. Okay. All right. Last question, Sam. Who locally inspires you? Who locally inspires me? You can't say the community. Everyone says that. Yeah, do they really? <laughs> yeah, every single person. Um, <laughs> and I have to pick one person. If you could. I'll pick two people. One's my one's my wife, Lisa, because um, she's a real she she grew up in the in the city in the in a, in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne, but she just loved agriculture. Did an agricultural science degree and moved to Shepparton, and has just worked with farmers for the last twenty years, and become a really respected professional in the dairy industry. So she's and just just a real wonderful asset to our community by helping out you know, all sorts of community groups and just making one of those people who, a bit like you, comes from Shepparton, comes from outside Shepparton, moves here and just embraces the whole experience. Yeah. Right? So there, you inspired me too. <laughs> um, look, I'd have to say that Damien Drums inspired me and, and I, I only met him in 2016. I took, it took a bit of time for me to get to know him Honestly, I didn't see, in 2016, I didn't see myself running as a National Party um, candidate, but he's changed my idea of what a National Party candidate can do, and he's changed my idea of what a politician can do because of his authenticity, his straight talking, and his work with the community. So there's a couple of people who inspire me. Great. Very good answer. All right, do you want to leave the people one last time with where they can find you if they want to get in contact with you? They can find me at Sam Birrell for Nichols. Um, click on click on the videos to see and, and you can make a comment as to whether you think my version of Oasis was good or not. <laughs> and, um, yeah, that's probably the best place. But also Sam Birrell for Nichols on, on Instagram too. Um, uh, yeah, make sure you get in contact. We can do some amazing things in this place if we, um, if we band together. Great. Thanks for joining me, Sam. Thanks, Harley.